I just decided after a few years, I was like, I'm done with this bullshit. I'm gonna start keeping track of how many days I've been fuckboy free. So I had a little whiteboard at my apartment that I would keep updated in our living room. And I wanted to get to 100 days. That was my goal. Hello, welcome back to Mostly Balanced with Carly and Mia. Hi, welcome back everyone. We have another great, great, great guest. It was so much fun to record. We have Mary Beth Barone on today and she is hilarious. Yeah, she is so funny. I was just telling somebody about this episode and saying how I kind of just laughed the whole time because I didn't know if she was kidding or not. I feel like she has a very dry sense of humor. So everything she says just comes off so funny to me. And she's different than so many of the guests that we've had. So it was a really fun one. Yeah. So she, you'll hear all about her, but she is a New York City based comedian. And she has a very dry, like Carly said, like so monotone, very dry, deadpan sense of humor. So I find her hilarious. And then she specializes in talking about relationships and does a fuckboy redemption program, which is honestly the funniest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> you'll hear her talk about it, but she basically just brings in actual guys to her stand up show who are, you either like self-declared fuckboys or nominated by their friends or ex-girlfriends or something and brings them on stage and like interrogates them to understand the behavior that goes into being a fuckboy and hopefully redeeming them. Well, first of all, I had a really rough time with this episode because I never swear. So even just like saying the word fuckboy is like really awkward for me, but I had to say it because that's what she does. But she explains like what it is, what it means, how to spot them in the wild. And (laughs) it's just, just, so funny and it's like something that she personally has like dealt with so I feel like she really has like a ton of funny experience and she makes something that's like obviously stand-up comedy feel like so relatable and I feel like those are the best comedians when like everybody relates to it and it just makes it hilarious it's just also so funny that she treats like being a fuckboy and going through the whole like process of realizing you're in a relationship like that and the steps to recovery and then like mixed with her very deadpan serious tone it's like treating this like a science like this is something you need to fix and these are the steps I know and it's just amazing yeah it's so funny it's hilarious so I think everyone's gonna love the episode and we'll get into it soon but first we'll talk a little bit about new things we're trying so yeah I've been trying I think I've posted about this a couple of times how I've been trying a bunch of different clean beauty brands and trying to find brands that I like. And I keep asking people for recommendations. So definitely feel free to shoot us a few messages if you know of any brands that you like using. I've been trying to use all non-toxic stuff and especially stuff without fragrance. I really don't like the way like fragrance affects me. But obviously, I mean, you can, everyone can Google why non-toxic is better and not everything I use is non-toxic. I'm just trying to like kind of switch over and play around with it. But so a few months ago, probably right in the beginning of COVID, I ordered the Ilia, it's I-L-I-A, we'll link it in the show notes, mascara and eyeliner. And I loved them. It was when I first came back to quarantine at my parents' house and I didn't really bring enough stuff to be here for as long as I was. And so I ordered it online. You can order on Amazon or Sephora or anywhere you can order makeup. And I was obsessed with it. The mascara is like, because so many other clean beauty brands I had tried, just the mascara didn't even seem like you were wearing mascara. Like it wasn't really good, but this was like really good, but still feels like nice and light and natural. And the eyeliner was good. I actually don't really wear eyeliner that much right now. I feel like I go through phases where I do and I don't. And right now I'm not. But anyway, so I loved them. So then recently I decided to try more of their products and try their concealer and their foundation because I finally ran out of my old foundation. I just didn't want to buy it when I still had some left, but I'm really disappointed. I think I like the concealer, but I don't love the foundation. I feel like it's very thin, which I think is good because then it's like nice and light and doesn't feel like heavy or clog your pores, but it feels like greasy. And I don't know if maybe it's because I put it on like right after I put on my moisturizer. I'm going to keep trying it a little bit and see how I feel about it, but I'm not fully sold on the foundation yet, but highly recommend the mascara and the eyeliner. Yeah. That's great. I haven't tried clean beauty makeup at all, but it's funny because the product that I'm sharing today is also a clean beauty line. 
it's the necessaire body lotion so funny that we're both talking about this but I, it's fragrance free and it's so great like, i really love it i did this whole like sephora haul last weekend where i posted oh, yeah. some of the things i got and this was one of them i just wanted to get like i've been using keels i used to be like such a keels loyalist and i had their giant lotion that's like 75 dollars, but lasts months and months i just didn't feel like buying that again and also wanted to start trying new brands that are clean like fragrance free and i really love the necessaire body lotion and they don't have makeup in their brand but they have all lotions and face washes and they even have a whole like sex health product line which is cool but yeah what kind of products it's just a sex gel (laughs) unsure what that means It's a water-based personal lubricant treatment. Hmm. So interesting. No fragrance added. That is interesting. Ap- Apply to your intimate areas. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you like that body lotion, though. I might try it out. I actually really like the Beauty Counter body lotion, but I haven't liked their makeup products that I've tried. So like that was a clean skincare that like I didn't love. And people who like Beauty Counter are obsessed with it. Like I feel oh, like- yeah. It's one it's of those like, brands that like everyone becomes like an affiliate and they always try to get you to shop beauty counter. And it's like, why haven't you bought the beauty counter products? Like it must not be because you don't like them. Like, of course you would like them. And then I ordered <laughs> the mascara. didn't even look like I was wearing anything. Like it wasn't worth it. But the lotion I like. Yeah. I really, I've never tried clean beauty makeup, but that's so interesting. Do you feel like, I mean, I always struggled with hormonal acne and a whole slew of skin issues. So do you feel like it's been helping your skin in that way? I've well, always been really careful about the products I use, but not makeup, which is so interesting because that's what I'm putting on my face every day too. Yeah. That's like the thing that made me order the foundation and the concealer when I finally ran out of my other one because my skin had been breaking out so much. So now I don't feel like I've been using it for long enough to really know if it's helping, but everything that I read about skincare and everything clean beauty and all of that like says which is crazy to think but that like putting makeup that has chemicals in on your face is just as bad as like eating the chemicals because your skin is your biggest organ it goes right into your bloodstream just like if you eat something would so reading that like made me really want to just like never put a chemical on my skin again (laughs) because I felt like (laughs) I've been breaking out so much and it definitely can cause hormonal imbalance and I think that the scent is the biggest thing that can affect it so yeah obviously I'm doing like a million different things right now to try to balance my hormones on. So I've been writing down like every single change that I'm making and every single thing that I do so that like once I do feel like I'm in a better place, I can kind of backtrack and see like what actually helped me. Mm-hmm. That way, hopefully it can help other people too. Yeah, definitely. I have been using because I had hormonal acne, especially around my chin, like literally maybe in college, I got the bare minerals powder concealer and I've just been using that ever since. So I think I've been using it for 10 years, but I've never like go to my makeup as a culprit for reasons my skin's breaking out or anything because I'm just so used to using the products that I use. So yeah, I'm curious to hear how you like all of the makeup brands that you're trying. Yeah. And I actually really like bare minerals too. I used to use their mineral veil and just put it over anything that I put on and I loved it. Maybe I should start that again. Yeah. Is that technically clean beauty or products have been advanced since then? I'm honestly, I have no idea. And I was actually recently wondering that because I was talking to somebody about how I was trying all these clean beauty products and they were like, yeah, I've been doing that for years. I use bare minerals. And then I was like, yeah, I think that was technically like, I feel like one of the first clean beauty brands, but now I don't know like what the standards are. Or if like, right. I don't know. Yeah, when I was on the Necessaire website, there was this whole like disclaimer that it passed this whole like code or met all these standards of approval. So I don't know yeah. if the I don't know if they've changed the standards. <laughs> I know, I'm curious. But that's funny. Yeah, so we both had skincare things this week. I feel like in the past we talk a lot about food, so I like venturing into new areas. Yeah, definitely. But we have some good food products to try, so we'll be back with some edible things that we've been trying and liking. Yeah, and new recipes too. And we actually got to see each other this week, which was so fun. We both had a pretty standard work week and everything, but Friday I got to go into the city and get dinner with Mia and her boyfriend. And we went to Pizza Loves Emily, which we love. And it was so good. Oh my God, I hadn't had it in over a year. It was amazing. Yeah, we order it a lot. So I feel like I've been getting it frequently, but it's not as good as when you go there. Oh my God, we got the Modern and what was the other, the Quinn? Yeah, the Quinn. So we got very basic orders. Yeah, it was great. 
and we were home. I was home by like 6.30 and I was so confused. Or yeah, because we went to a five <laughs> o'clock dinner and then I, I, I got back. I took the train back that night and I got back to my house like before 10 p.m., which is like really crazy that I went out to dinner in the city and then got back to New Paltz by 10 p.m. Yeah, I was on the couch like drinking more wine. I felt like 10.30 at night and it was like seven o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> so but fun. next weekend, I'm probably definitely coming to New Paltz. So Carly and I will do all the fall things and I cannot wait. I yeah, need some I'm fresh so excited. air. I'm really like hoping that this week it doesn't rain too much because I really want all the trees to still have like the color and everything. We're going to have yeah. lots of good photo ops and a lot of good fall stuff. And I'm so excited for that. That will be so fun. But I'm just so anxious to be like living in the city or like living somewhere <laughs> or just like yeah. getting <laughs> going somewhere. Like I just feel, I was telling my dad last night at dinner, I have this like antsy feeling. I think it's the fact that we can't really travel much right now and like, I haven't been on a, a good like trip in so long. And also probably because we were watching Emily, Emily in, Paris, in Paris and that made yeah. me just want to travel. So I, I don't know, TBD on if I'm going to get straight to Elise in the city or if I'm going to spend like a month or so somewhere else where I can travel safely. Like just even if I did something I was saying earlier, if I went to LA and got an Airbnb there for a month or something, I haven't spent time there at all and I've always wanted to. So I think it could be really fun to just like yeah. this remote working time to be like, I don't know, by the beach and warm weather. Oh my God. If I were you, I would 100% do that. I want to come with you. I know. I was thinking if I did it, you should totally come for like a weekend or like a week. <laughs> yeah, I will. Please go so I can come. Yeah, it'd be so That'd fun. Be you so can come fun. stay at my Airbnb. Yeah, this is a great idea. I think you need to do that. And I'm definitely a fan of you going to LA. Yeah, and I feel like so what's the rush getting happen. to the city? I can just wait a little while. I don't think rent is going to go up anytime soon. Yeah, probably not. You're in a good spot. Yeah. I really do want a European trip. I know. We need to, I mean, the world needs to open back up for travel. I feel like so much of when we first started planning this podcast and planning our Instagram account and our blog and everything, we wanted travel to be one of our focuses because we love going on trips together and we plan the best trips together. We do. But now we haven't been able to travel at all, so it hasn't really been a focus, but hopefully soon it will be. Yeah, one day. Yeah, one day. But thanks so much for listening. You're going to love Mary Beth. I know you will. And reach out if you have any questions. And don't forget to leave a rating and review on iTunes if you enjoy the episode. Yes, enjoy the episode. Hi, welcome back. We're here with Mary Beth Barone. She is a New York City-based comedian and the host of Drag His Ass. So welcome, Mary Beth. We're so excited to have you. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here and chat with you. I can't wait to get into it. Yes, we're so excited. Can you start by telling our guests a little bit about yourself, where you're from, maybe just like how you got into what you do now? Yeah, absolutely. So I am from Connecticut originally, and I went to Boston College for two years. I was there studying to be an English teacher because at 17, turns out you don't know exactly what you want to do with your life. So <laughs> after two years, I dropped out and moved to New York and I got a job. I was working in a very happy relationship. And then I decided on a whim to kind of take an improv class. And this was when I was 24, almost 25. So I did improv and was like, oh my God, this is so much fun. Like maybe I should try stand up. And then I just started watching a lot of stand up comedy. And then I started writing. And then I went to an open mic. And pretty much as soon as I did the open mic, I was like, okay, this is like what I want to do with my life. So it was a whirlwind. And it definitely I like kind of had to blow my life up to make that work. So I broke up with my boyfriend moved out of our apartment and quit my job. And just <laughs> wow. said, yeah, it was kind of like the trifecta and moved in with some friends and decided I'm going to just figure out how to make this work. And then it was helpful to have worked in e-commerce before because I had a good idea of how to like create a product and like make a business out of myself. So those are skills I've carried over from that into this, but it was definitely like a crazy thing to do. And sometimes I look back and think like, I cannot believe I did that. Yeah. Were you always like the funny girl or you just decided to take an improv class or was there some sort of spark for comedy there prior? 
Yeah, I always like my group of friends in high school, we were very funny. We would just hang out on the weekends and just laugh and laugh and laugh. Some of that was probably from smoking weed, but we also just <laughs> genuinely like were funny together. Um, and my family's pretty funny. We always grew up with like a deep appreciation for comedy. So when I was younger, I wanted to be an actress. But when I grew up, I kind of thought that's not realistic. Focus on something that, you know, is an actual career that has a path. So then I, I mean, I always kind of had it in the back of my mind, but never, I mean, if you told me six months before I did an open mic that I would be doing stand up in front of people in New York City, I wouldn't have believed you. It really was just like so random, but I feel so lucky that I found it because I definitely have no regrets about how it's all unfolded. Yeah. What was your family's reaction when you dropped out of school? My family, so I've, I'm the youngest of six kids and I think my parents are really understanding and like their big thing is just that they want their kids to be happy. So I think originally when I said, well, originally I said I was going to take a semester off and my sister had done that previously. So it wasn't like the biggest shock, but then I think when I decided I'm actually not going to go back, they were worried in a sense of like, will I be able to get a good job without a degree? Which I think even since then, like a lot of companies don't require a degree to hire people, which is really nice. But I think that was their main concern was just like what to do about work. But luckily as a comedian, you definitely don't need a degree. And yeah, they don't really ask for credentials, which is nice. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a crazy like turn of events, all like moving out from living with your boyfriend, quitting your job, pursuing comedy. So then how did that progress from there? Did you continue to do like open mic and stand up? And how did you build to what you are now? Yeah, I worked really hard on just like doing mics and trying to get booked on shows, which is kind of like this weird process that's very fluid and there's really no like, it's very nonsensical. Like if you meet people and they run shows or you can send them a tape, like you can do bringer shows at the beginning, which is what I did a lot, which is like basically a comedy club scam people who want to do comedy. And they're like, if you bring 10 people to the show, you can perform (laughs) and comedy clubs have a two drink minimum and you pay for tickets. So it's like, it's great business for them, but definitely doesn't weed out any people maybe that aren't so funny or, you know, everyone has their own taste. (laughs) But I tried to just do as many shows as I could. And I started writing and working on some digital like web series stuff. And I guess from the beginning, I was just like kind of naive in that I would just like email people a tape and be like, can I do your show? Like I almost had no shame, which is kind of what you need. And then you're in it for a few years. You kind of like get a little embarrassed asking people to do shows, but then eventually it's like cyclical. And then you're just like, well, I want to perform. So like you have to really just be comfortable putting yourself out there. Yeah. I feel like I know nothing about that world. So it's so interesting to hear about it. So you like, do you write out your whole act before you go on stage? Yeah. So everybody, you know, all comics kind of have their own process, which is definitely some people are way more like loose and love to do crowd work or like they like to go up there with a completely blank mind and just like see what happens. I definitely will plan out like everything I'm going to say before. And I think, you know, there's been situations where you kind of read the crowd. So if I'm a third and I see two other people go up before me, maybe certain things are or aren't working. The longer you do it, the more malleable your set becomes. So you're like, okay, well, this crowd doesn't seem to be responding to sex humor. So I'm going to like pivot and talk about my family or talk about like religion or, you know, politics or whatever it is. So it's like those skills you kind of build up just as you're performing. But I wasn't really comfortable doing that probably until the last like year and a half because I just am like a control freak. So I write out every single word I'm going to say. And then when you have to start shifting gears or like someone in the audience is being loud or something. Those are just things that you grow more comfortable with over time. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you usually involve the audience in your shows? I didn't for most of my career thus far, especially just when it's straight stand-up. Like if I'm hosting a show, I'm a little bit more like engaging with the crowd specifically. Now I have a few bits where it's crowd dependent, which is like, it's such a toss up. You don't know like how people will react or what they're going to say, but I think those make you a better comic because you just start to kind of like be prepared for anything, which you can, in theory, you can be if you're just doing your straight set. But I think when the crowd gets involved, that's when things can get crazy. Yeah. (laughs) How would you describe your comedy? 
I would say definitely deadpan, very dry, sometimes dark, but also try to keep it like, you know, self-aware. And I really never thought of myself as deadpan until after every single show, people would be like, you are deadpan. And I'd be like, okay, I guess I am. But I mean, I don't know if you can tell from my monotone voice right now, but it's pretty much the same as when I'm on stage. So yeah, it's like you laugh the whole time because you don't know if you're supposed to be laughing or not. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you want want the crowd to feel. So It's been good. I don't, I don't do a lot of physical stuff or, you know, it's not big goofs and gags with me. It's just not my sensibility. Yeah. And then, so talk to us about drag his ass and fuckboy treatment program. Was that like, how did that come about? Well, since I broke up with that guy, I was seeing when I first started comedy, I've been with a lot of people. I've had some good experiences, more bad experiences. And I just decided after a few years, I was like, I'm done with this bullshit. I'm going to start keeping track of how many days I've been fuckboy free. So I had a little whiteboard at my apartment that I would keep updated in our living room. And I wanted to get to 100 days. That was my goal. So I would post on social media, like pictures of the board and my progress. And people were like very supportive and invested in the narrative. So I was like, this really seems like something that people can relate to. So I decided to do a live show where I had other comics come on and talk about their experiences with fuckboys. And um, it just kind of like grew. And then I started an Instagram account. At first it had like 12 followers and it was just like my friends. And I would post memes that I thought were funny about dating. And then as the show grew, that audience grew too, which was really fun. And people would start submitting screenshots of things, which are really wild. But when I did the show for the second time and every time since then, I've done a fuckboy redemption. So I decided it's not enough to just have one side of the story. I want to do like, you know, 360 degree view of this problem. So I would find a fuckboy in out in the wild, be it from like friends nominating that person or, you know, um, someone I knew through people. I would do like a pre-interview with them and kind of find out about their habits, maybe talk to some of their exes and then craft like a narrative to talk through with them at the live show. And then at the end, see if they wanted to pledge to like not be fuckboys anymore. So it really was like so much fun. We were going to do an anniversary show in April, which obviously didn't happen. But yeah, that was about a year and a half ago I started it. And I mean, you know, like how much it's affecting everyone, but people have reached out and said such nice things about like the show being very like cathartic and healing and feeling like, you know, I may, I would make everyone stand up and hug in the audience before we would like kick the show off. And I think it's just like, people don't want to feel like they're alone. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Everything about that is amazing. So first question, did you make it to the hundred days? Oh my God. Yes, I did. But I had some, I had to reset to zero multiple times. I have a six step process for overcoming fuckboy addiction and step three (laughs) or four is to relapse. Like you're just going to do it. So you just have to not be too hard on yourself. What counts as a relapse? For me, it was having sex was like having sex with a fuckboy, someone that I knew was a fuckboy. There were a few times though, where people assured me that they weren't, but then their actions Mm -hmm differently so that was always a really crushing blow when I had to reset that to zero but ultimately it was my responsibility to vet those people better yeah and so it's not like you weren't dating it's just that you weren't dating fuckboys trying trying yes yeah Um, can you tell everyone what a fuckboy is yeah a fuckboy is someone who basically will do and say everything they have to to get someone to sleep with them. And then after that, they're just not held accountable for like anything that they do. So they'll gaslight you, they'll lead you on. They like to make plans at two in the morning. They like to cancel plans, can't really tie them down. Like they'll make promises and then, you know, disappear. So it's quite the culture we've created where, you know, there's two sides to it, but I would consider myself an enabler in a lot of ways because I just would put up with it and I was the one getting hurt. So it was like, who is this for? Yeah. What were your steps for like recognizing that and getting over fuckboys, being fuckboy free? Well, a lot of it had to do with going to therapy, which I highly recommend. Even if you don't have a problem with fuckboys, like therapy has been 
so crucial for me to just be able to like exist peacefully in the world. Obviously I have ups and downs, but I think that was like huge and just recognizing my behavior. And then there's a huge like difference between recognizing it and then actually changing my habits. So I think there was just a breaking point where I was like, I just can't do this anymore. And then, you know, you go up and then maybe you have like a slip up and then you kind of have to rebuild. But every time I've had a, a relapse, so to speak, I feel like I've come back stronger and, and more sure that I, I don't want to live that life anymore. Yeah. The first step is really acknowledging it. And that is the first step is admitting you have a problem. Uh, <laughs> So that's kind of classic rehab jargon, but it is effective. Yeah. How do you feel like fuckboys are showing up during COVID? So it's interesting because I've heard people, you know, going on FaceTime dates or Zoom dates and then being ghosted or talking to people for weeks or months and then they disappear. But I think there's also like guys who will invite you over when there's a pandemic and they just want you to like hook up with them. You have to think unless it's been discussed that you're probably not the only one and you're probably not the only one who said yes. So I think like there's literally like health risks at this point of like fuck boys being super spreaders. I mean, I haven't heard of any, but I'm sure they're out there. Yeah, they must be. And why are you having a Zoom call just to ghost somebody? Like the yeah. last thing I want to do is have a Zoom call. Just first of all, we're all on Zoom all day. It's like, give me a break. But also it's like, just text me then if you didn't enjoy it. That's the thing that's just blows my mind. I think ghosting as far as like the phenomenon or around fuckboy culture, like ghosting is definitely the one that I think is the most like damaging. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I still just don't understand like, what is that guy getting out of a four hour or two hour, like FaceTime? Like what's the motive there? It's, it's, it's unthinkable, but yeah, narcissists. <laughs> you know, it, it's very strange. I, I'm, I hope everybody comes out of this okay, but I do hope that maybe some of the fuckboys who were out there, you know, living their best life are taking some time to reflect and think about what they really want. Because what I learned from meeting with a lot of them, especially the ones in their late 20s and mid 30s, like, this isn't what they want, but they've just been doing it now for 10 years. So they're just like, this is all I know is to just do this. Yeah. And some of them have like actual mental problems which is like that's one thing but then do something about it like I, I right. yeah. get help or don't involve me in your drama until you feel like you're capable of doing that in a mature way because yeah I find that a lot of fuck boys are either alcoholics or they're mentally ill yeah or both <laughs> or yeah. both yeah and that's <laughs> good luck to you if you found one if you for one of those I, I am thinking about you I'm praying for you can you talk a little bit about what are some like physical attributes, some kind of like red flags that might say somebody is? Yeah, I've always maintained that a fuckboy can look like anything. So <laughs> sometimes they're wearing it right on their sleeve and sometimes they're a wolf in sheep's clothing. But I would say, you know, guys who wear joggers, guys who wear big watches, guys who have like the hard part and then the sides are a little bit shorter. Um, they vape everywhere. They are constantly sliding into the DMs. You know, they drink like Jack and ginger ale. Like those things, I'm just like red flag, red flag, red flag. If they have navy blue sheets, if they are named like Kyle or Brad or, you know, you know what they look like. I would say like as far as women, there's different types because there's like the sorority girl who maybe is like a bit of a man eater. But then you also have like lesbian fuckboys and they, you know, might be wearing a fedora or a bunch of bracelets or the one that I encountered was wearing a fedora and that should have been my first tip off. But I wasn't experienced enough with women to know that that was the case. Yeah. Isn't that one yeah. of your steps to date women? Yes. So it is. I think, you know, it's, I'm like half kidding, but I am also half serious. We can normalize not being bi. I think not everyone has to be bisexual, but I started dating women last summer because I met one that I wanted to date. And it was, it's definitely a totally different experience with both pros and cons. But I think if you are bisexual and you're frustrated dating men, you should open the door to other experiences. Was that a helpful step in your process or did you just find that they had the same behavior? I think it was helpful because the women that I experienced were just a lot more emotionally open and communicative. 
So I think it's good to remind yourself that those people exist. And if, if you're not attracted to women, don't date them. I think that's not a good idea. But I think with the way things are right now, people are a lot more like open sexually to exploring and just figuring out like what they like and who they like. And now I think is like a great time. Like I feel lucky that I came out as bisexual now because I think there's just never been a better time to like be open about who you are and who you want to be with. Yeah. Were you the type of person who you knew you would be dating a fuckboy, but you would want to change them? Or would you kind of be like in denial that that's who they were? I was always pretty, well, there were times I was blindsided, but usually I knew. And it was just like, I chose to ignore the red flags. I've always been the type of person that I've never wanted to change anyone because I don't think it's even possible to do that. I think people need to change because they want to, but I would just kind of ignore red flags and just be like, it's fine. And then at a certain point, I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this, but you'd be like, well, they can't hurt me any more than they already did. And we've already had sex. So I might as well just keep having sex with them. But that's, yeah. just, don't do that. I feel like this is just like everyone I've dated. <laughs> yeah. like, they all pretty much fall in that bucket. Which is, it's uh, it's an uphill battle. And I don't think I've ever felt like I won, you know? Yeah, yeah, because then you start to date someone who's not like that and you're like, what's wrong with them? Why aren't they doing all these things that everyone else that I've dated has done? Yeah, you kind of like condition yourself to just accept being treated like shit. And then when you start getting treated well, that can really throw you for a loop. You have to get used to it, genuinely. I have an interesting thought that I dated a fuck boy for eight years. So like I got that like commitment but it was still like that constant behavior, but I was just in it and couldn't like classify him as that because he was my boyfriend. But, but he all was, the behavior was the still definition, there. To the definition, to the T. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He See, wears joggers. That, I mean, oh, there you go right there. But eight years <laughs> of that is just, that's too I'm much. I'm damaged, I think. <laughs> he wouldn't even post a picture of you on social media. He, yeah. I mean, he wasn't he dating someone else when he first met? Yeah, not my fault, but we were 19 but that's like your first red flag again like you're not changing anyone he had a girlfriend when I met him and I was here for all the lies that was telling her so I don't know why I expected anything different but poor me I was 19 and didn't know anything better <laughs> but yeah eight years of that was like he would tell me he was in one location and like the dot that I could see him on was like traveling all around it was like one thing after another it was insane <laughs> Well, I think it's important just to acknowledge that like you, I mean, that is, it is like emotional terrorism in a way. It's just like people will take advantage and they'll lie to your face. And I think, I mean, putting up with that for that long is like, I don't know how you did it, but you must have really loved him. That it must, it just must be that. But there's people out there that will not treat you that way, which yeah. is cool. Yeah. It's crazy I mean, like that. I've only dated the type that like, you don't ever actually start dating, but you are dating for like two. Like I saw one of the things you posted on your account that was like, you've been dating someone for like nine months. And then they ask you, how come you don't have a boyfriend? And it's like, yeah, oh, that, you were my boyfriend. That so that's like the type of person that I date. But Mia being in an actual like eight year relationship, that's a whole other story. Yeah. yeah it's a whole other bag of issues. Going back to your steps of recognizing that, I don't know that it was like I loved him so much that I stayed with him. It was like, I don't think I like loved myself, like understood myself enough. So that's like the first step of all of mm -hmm. this. Like whether you're eight years in or you're on like first few dates, like why are you accepting any of this behavior ever? Yeah, that's a good point. I think I've seen that in a lot of people and myself just being like, I wasn't being kind to myself. Like I was just thought that, well, if this is just what I deserve, if this is what I'm getting, but you don't have to put up with that stuff. Yeah. And it's just like all the classic behavior, like vague plans or like kind of like attempting to make plans, but not really doing it. And like telling you one time that they don't want a relationship, but then doing a million other things that make it seem like they do. And it's just like, at this point, like, I feel like I've seen so much of it that now I kind of just don't trust any of it. But I have friends who like really do that, like, that a guy will tell them like, oh, I'm not really looking for anything serious, but then he'll stay over and he'll like hold her hand and they'll sleep together and the whole thing. And then it's like, how come he's not texting me during the week? Because he said he wasn't looking for a relationship and he's going to fall back on that every single time. But then you know, do everything else. Biggest, it's like, I, I love when you meet a guy and he'll just read you like his laundry list of disclaimers. And it's like, okay, but 
first of all, I'm not looking for anything serious is like the most vague, weird shit. It's like, I'm not asking you to marry me. Like, why can't we just see where things go? But I think, I don't know. I'm not looking for anything serious. It's just like such classic, like just excuses. I mean, people do and say completely different things. I think yeah. I was yeah. just saying that to my friend. I'm like, I'm not out here looking for something serious, but that doesn't mean like, if I don't meet somebody, I'm not going to just see oh, what happens. Like you don't yeah. have to be actively looking. That doesn't mean you can't like, yeah, it's the biggest excuse ever. I hate it. Yeah. That's the strangest disclaimer. Cause like, exactly. At least like I've always functioned. Do you always function? Like if you meet someone, of course, like maybe you didn't expect to be in a relationship, but to go into any situation and be like, no, I'm not looking for anything serious. That's like mental problems. Or they're like, I'm, I'm going to hurt you. And it's like, yeah, well, now I can't. <laughs> what the hell am I supposed to say to that now? Like, you're too nice for me. I, I've get, gotten that a lot. And it's like, well, then be nicer. Yeah. What if you just stop being, they're like, I'm, I'm not a good guy. That's <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, cool. Well, then get out of my bed, please. <laughs> <laughs> I told Mia that recently that like, I get, I've gotten that a lot. People saying that they're not a good guy. And I think Mia, you said you've never gotten that because yours like masquerade as good people. That That's like the type that you, oh, yeah. you were with. But my Mine will tell me up front, like, I'm not a good guy. And I'm like, okay. Like, and then I'm like confused. I'm like, are you trying to do like a mind trick on me? Like, are you actually a good guy? They're just trying to undercut any future criticism because Mm -hmm. they're like, I told you from the start, I'm not a good guy. And I guess it's tough when you do like someone or like you said, maybe, you know, it's like, it's just what's being presented to you. So you're like, I can handle this. But then I think things start to kind of crumble when they do treat you badly. But then there's a lot of like blaming yourself, which I think sometimes I do blame myself, but also people can be nice. Yeah. You can just be nice. You can just be a good person, not be a piece of shit, but. Do you typically meet people who you date like out in the wild or on dating apps? I have only dabbled with dating apps. Like I'll be on them for like a month and then I'll go on dates and then delete them. But for a lot of it, it was mostly just other comedians. And that is, you just don't want to get involved with, with no, no. I feel like yeah. I've heard that so much that you don't want to date a comedian. So that's true. Yeah, because com- male comedians are like very self-aware and introspective, but they're also emotionally unavailable. So they will make you feel like you know everything about them and like bring you in and like talk about their trauma and then they'll ghost you. And it's like, okay, well now I'm invested and also fuck you. Yeah, that's a terrible yeah. combination. <laughs> It's bad. I mean, I'm sure a lot of female comedians are like that too, but it is not good. No. And when you've brought these guys into your show to do this like whole redemption, mm-hmm. are they ever self-aware or like what is what do they say to this behavior? <laughs> a lot of the times they are self-aware. I think what I've noticed is usually they have an origin story or like some event in their life that led to why they act this way. But I think I've been surprised at how self-aware they are. I think it's just a lack of like accountability because what realistically, what can we do? What method of recourse do we have? If someone screws us over, there's like, we can complain to our friends. We can block them on social media, which most of the time we don't do. We just look at them looking at our Instagram stories until the day we die. But (laughs) I think people do know it's bad what they're doing. They just don't have the motivation or like no one's really pushing them to like examine their actions and figure out why. Do they say they like ultimately want to settle down and like, oh, I'll change when I like meet the right person? Because then we've also seen the classic situation where someone's like a total fuck boy and then like suddenly has a girlfriend. So yeah, do they have some like explanation for that? (laughs) There's a, there's been a mix in my experience. Some people are like, yes, I want to settle down, but I'm waiting for someone to come in and it's going to be magic and they're going to sweep me off my feet and it's going to be like a fairy tale. There's definitely that narrative people push, but then there are some that are just like, I don't want to settle down and I'm happy. That's usually less from what I've seen. It's people who just, they can't help themselves, you know? Yeah. I think it's so funny that you like put them through this whole redemption. And I feel like I heard on another podcast that we heard you on, you saying that a couple of them have like messaged you after and said that they've actually changed their behavior. Well, yeah. So I think a few of them I've been like, okay, well, this is probably a lost cause. But one of them, he was really great. Like I could tell he really 
he he was like admittedly was in love with someone but he just didn't know how to commit to her so he messaged me after like a few months after the show and was like I just want to let you know I've like ended things with two girls before sleeping with them because I knew it wasn't going anywhere which I think like is all we really are asking for is like (laughs) if you know it's not going anywhere just don't have sex with me then because hearing that after the fact I'm not having all the information up front so I want to make a decision based on like the facts not we're a little bit buzzed and like we sort of talked about it it's like no if you don't see this going anywhere then we shouldn't sleep together yeah I think that's the bare minimum that a lot of people are looking for at this point yeah that's not too much to ask for And what have you been doing since COVID? So have places opened back up for you to start doing like smaller shows yet? I've done a few stand-up shows like outdoors, but it's been pretty limited. And I think like with Drag Is Ass, we need like a projector and a screen and we need some tech stuff. So I think in order to put on the show that I want to, that people are like used to seeing, we would need like indoor venues to be open again and you know preferably a vaccine because I'm not gonna have people get sick at my show but yeah I'm I'm thinking maybe doing like a virtual show at some point I think in the winter people are gonna get really bored because they won't want to sit outside so just kind of waiting to see what the national mood is I think also like with the election coming up I'm just like I don't want to do anything big until after we know what's going on with that yeah yeah winter like virtual show would be awesome I would love that yeah, it's it'll it would be fun and we have some more merch we want to launch but again waiting till after the election because if anyone has like $25 to spare you should just like donate it to candidate that you want to win but yeah I think that's the like n- number one fuck boy but um we'll see what happens with that <laughs> yeah for sure yeah I guess like TBD on the national mood for a couple months but luckily yeah. fuck boys aren't going anywhere so I'm sure you'll have great quality for your shows <laughs> yes that is uh, the unfortunate truth yeah for yeah. me going fuck boy free is just not dating because i like genuinely don't know how to date people who aren't like a guy probably the most recent guy i dated like i moved from new york city to chicago and i was in chicago so i was just doing dating apps there because i didn't really know anyone there i dated a guy and it was like a similar thing to what you said earlier like i had to really get myself used to being in a situation with somebody who was like really being nice mm-hmm. and i knew like i didn't really like him so maybe that was bad on my part and i kept like going through the motions like only so I could get myself used to being treated that way and then like kind of like phased out but it's just so hard to identify especially on a dating app and I do the same thing as what you said like I'll go on it for like maybe a month at most and then I'll delete it and then I'll go back on it like a few months later but like I really prefer to meet people like out in person or through friends of friends then they're already like vetted at least yeah I think I've like needed exposure therapy to nice guys like you really do have to like get used to it again it's like crazy but I think there's nothing wrong with taking a break from dating like it's better to just not date than to go on bad dates or to date someone that you don't like that much I think like going through the motions with someone who's nice is like there's no risk there and as long as you're respectful with how you end things and like keep it amicable like you're not a bad person for doing that I think if you don't explore those things you won't be able to see what you like and what you don't like but for me I just had to make a decision like do I want to keep wasting time like for me as a comedian I would be like going on dates after shows like it'd be 10 at night and I'm meeting up with someone and my eyes are closing and I'm like is this person going to keep me awake like probably not So I would go through phases where I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to like really put effort into dating. I think I want to date someone and like meet the right person. But man, it's just like, it's a full-time job. Yeah, it really is. What was your dating experience like before college? Like were the people you dated in like high school, were they fuckboys? It's really interesting because like the people I like made out with, like the first people I ever kissed and stuff were generally like pieces of shit but my first boyfriend was like the nicest guy ever and we had such like a great relationship and then usually with relationships because I've been in three serious like boyfriend girlfriend relationships they've generally been with people that were not fuckboys and I have like felt secure and like good but in between it's always a lot of just nonsense and like you know the same shit that we all go through I just think there's more right now there's a higher concentration of fuckboys than nice guys And it sucks because I do feel like nice guys feel like they never get the girl, but I don't know. It's just, I don't know. I don't know what's going to fix that problem. 
Yeah, it's just also like Carly mentioned, and like we've talked about on this podcast before, just like not being attracted to the nice guy. And like, why do we need this like behavior or someone who's not nice? That That's what we're like attracted to. And like, I don't know, I feel like it's just, again, like self reflection. Yeah. And I'm, there are like nice guys that aren't like losers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, there are. I don't know. I feel like there's this sense of bitterness, like everyone's unhappy right now. Like from the fuckboys I've talked to, they're not enjoying it. And then the women then, or, you know, the victims aren't enjoying it. And then we have nice guys who feel slighted in the corner. And it's just like, we just all need to come together with a common goal. And it's, it's so hard because like, even in times where I felt optimistic about dating, and this is the craziest thing. Like I sent out a survey about people's dating experiences and habits. And like the responses were out of control like everything is so bad but still more than 50 percent of people said that they're optimistic about meeting the right partner in one to three years so it's like i guess if people have this blind optimism like everything will be okay but i don't know where they're getting that from because it's a nightmare what were some of the questions on the survey i asked like if people have been ghosted in the last maybe nine months like i'm trying to remember what the what the questions were I can pull it up because I did this as part of one of the drag his ass presentations was like going through the survey responses. I mean, I think it's wonderful that people are so, so blindly optimistic. I know. I think that's so funny that more than 50% said that in the next one to three years, you said? Yeah. I mean, hey. Maybe they just think they've like gotten through all the terrible people in their city and they must find someone nice. Or they're (laughs) relocate. Um, So... (laughs) I am, I have the survey results up right now. So 62% of people who date men have been ghosted in the last year versus 40% of people who date women, which is still a lot. Just stop ghosting people. 84% of people who took the survey have developed feelings for someone in the past year. Only 44% of people who took the survey believe that dating is fun. <laughs> um, <Wow. laughs> I said, one question was um, true or false. I think the current dating climate is conducive to meeting a good romantic partner. And 84% of people said false. Oh, wow. <laughs> we actually I- talked to someone and they were very optimistic, a matchmaker that like the pandemic has forced fuckboys to like go inward and like, yeah. I hope I'm that's stronger. <laughs> no, I really do hope that's true. And then it was 55 or 56% of people said that they were optimistic about meeting the right person. And then I asked, like, describe the current dating climate in one word. And it was like exhausting, confusing, chaotic, annoying, bleak, stressful, difficult. But if people are optimistic, I mean, you can't. That's like the false optimism. That's those, the people that think that they have to have like a positive mindset in order for good things to happen. Like they're like. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right? Yeah. You get your hopes up and things go wrong. They were still going to go wrong even if you didn't get your hopes up. So I think like go off. It's not how I live, but that's more just my disposition. Yeah. And so when you talk about ghosting, what do you think qualifies as ghosting? Like if you go out on one date with a guy and then you don't answer them, is that ghosting? I think it's people have different definitions. For me, it's sleeping with someone and not responding. I think if you go on a date with them and it wasn't the right vibe, do you owe them anything? Maybe not, but it's just like more courteous and respectful to just say I wasn't feeling it or whatever it is. I think if you sleep with someone and don't text them back, like that is so fucked up. And I remember the first time it happened to me and I was just like, I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. I actually can't believe that. Like people are so messed up. How do you not even at least say like, I'm not into this, but ghosting after sleeping with someone is awful. It's strange behavior. And ultimately one other thing I've taken away from all this is like, it is just a reflection of them and not you. Like, yeah, I know it's hard to hear that. And a lot of times it feels like that can't be true, but like, it is true. It is them. It is not like you shouldn't be going back in your brain trying to think of every conversation you had and what you said that was wrong or turn them off or like made them feel weird. Like it's never that. It's never that. It's like, oh, they have a fucked up childhood or something, you know, which like I'm not saying people who have bad childhoods can't have healthy relationships. I just think it takes work and not a lot of people are willing to do the work. Yeah, yeah. it's so true. It's interesting though, because we were saying earlier like about good guys and girls not being attracted to good guys or nice guys, but I don't typically think that 
fuck boys are necessarily mean. I think that they just do these like really weird things, like saying all the things they want to do together and then never talking to you again, or like not following through with plans ever, or just kind of like stringing you along for like years. <laughs> like, and showing like, me pictures of your nieces and nephews on a date. Yes. Yes. Why are you doing that? Why? What are you is that? that? It's very weird. I The walls I've built up in my like emotional sphere are so strangely specific, but I'm just like, that's something I would never do. Yeah, never. And, and it's now like, it's like a big turn off. I couldn't, I just couldn't do it. And then they never talk to you again. I'm like, why would you like, maybe women and men read into things differently, but I'm like, do not like talk to me about your family unless you want to like continue talking to me about your family. Yeah. My friend recently went on a date and it was like, first, like she had this amazing weekend with this guy and then didn't hear from him the entire week. Except I think on, on Friday, he said, do you want to go get dinner tonight? And she said, yeah. Then she got all ready. And then at 5 PM, he's like, oh, sorry, I forgot. I have coworkers in town. Like I have to hang out with them. So then they didn't hang out then. But then that Sunday they ended up having like a full day date. And she's like, yeah, we were walking around. He kept saying like, oh, I'll take you there eventually. I'll take you there eventually. And like doing all this stuff. And then the entire next week passes and the same thing all over again. You don't hear from him again. Like that's just classic, classic behavior. It's so bizarre. I'm so careful not to reference anything in the future. It's these little like habits we've learned to just like avoid anything like that because people just talk out of their ass. Yeah. So annoying. I really don't get the like showing pictures of nieces. Like why are you doing that? Like, yeah, if you have this understanding or idea that girls like want to hear that, but then like you're also never going to talk to them again. Like what? I just don't understand. I need to get inside the heads of all of these people. I want to give them like a brain scan. <laughs> what is the activity? What part of your brain is being, you know, activated when you're doing shit like that? Cause it's, I don't like it. Yeah. Cause one that I dated for like a couple of years, like on and off in a pretty like bad situation, he was like also very mean. So that's like a very bad combination. I feel like when they're like really like just a mean person, plus they have all those other tendencies and like he would not be able to hang out until like 11 p.m. So I would like basically go to bed and then like wait for his text and then get up and like get all dressed. And then sometimes like he wouldn't even show up. But if I ever like didn't answer, it would be like the end of the world. And every time after that, he'd be like, well, that one time I tried to hang out with you and like you couldn't do it. And I really did try. And it's just like, oh my God. I really I think one red flag if you feel this way with someone, if you think saying no to plans will be the last time you ever hear from them, you shouldn't hang out with them because it's not the last time if you like each other and you're going to make an effort. But there were so many times where I would like let someone come over at one in the morning because I'm like, well, if they don't, then I'll never see them again. Well, then I shouldn't ever see them again because what the fuck? Yeah. Like, yeah. Come over in the daylight, you weirdo. I think that's such a good point. And I think that a lot of people listening probably have been in that situation. And like, think about it. If I asked somebody to hang out and they couldn't that time, it wouldn't mean that I would never want to hang out with them again. So it's not, if it's a one-time offer, then that's not the right situation. Yeah. But people put that fear in you because of their habits and like how mm-hmm. quick they are to withdraw and stuff. I've had so many times where I'm like, I remember this one guy was supposed to come over, like he had told me he was going to come over late. And then my texts stopped getting delivered, but I saw he posted on his Instagram story. And I was like, if you don't come over tonight, like I don't ever want to see you. Like if you don't actually show up, it's we're done. And yeah. of course, if he hadn't showed up, I'm sure I would have still hung out with him again. But it's just like, what what are you doing? Yeah. Mia, it's your crazy. boyfriend used to do that too. Like he would not be texting you, but then he would be like, someone would be like tagging him on like Twitter or something. Oh my God. Yeah. Again, like classic. This is someone I was dating. This was like seven years into our relationship. He told me he was going out with coworkers. He gave me like this whole story, like brokers are in town. Oh, he was in finance too. I know that that was maybe. Oh, that's one of the Yeah. That's a big uh, fuck boy um, red flag. But yeah, he was like, brokers are in town. I have to go out with them. Blah, blah, blah. He called me when he got home and we talked for like 45 minutes of intricate details of what happened. Mm-hmm. And then later that night, like some girl tagged him in all these pictures from that night. I'm like, so literally none of what you just told me was true because you were out with this girl. <laughs> yep. Guys are so shady and they don't really understand that women are actually private investigators. So like, <laughs> if you're going to get away with something, you're not. I you actually are a private investigator I feel like they don't know we're actually like (laughs) we just have that in the sense like we will find out yeah 
I find most things. And I mean, sometimes it happened to like be reading someone's phone, which I vow to myself I'll never do again in my life. But a lot of it was just good, clean investigation from all resources that are publicly available. (laughs) Yeah, like Venmo is a good one. Yeah. Venmo, tag photos on Instagram. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes you log into your other Instagram account to see if they post on their Instagram story. These things that just things. All <laughs> but the, the good thing, the best thing is to be with someone who doesn't make you feel like you have to do those things. That is, yeah. I think, the goal. Yeah, that yeah. really is the goal. I feel like we could tell these stories forever, but I think we should get to our closing questions. We do kind of more like a rapid fire format just to hear a little bit more about you outside of all of this. Sure. All right, Mia, kick it off. Okay. Are you a morning or a night person? And what's the first thing you do when you get up and the last thing you do before bed? I would say I am a night person. The first thing I do when I get up is check my phone. And the last thing I do before I go to bed is check my phone. Mm -hmm. I feel like as a comedian, you have to be a night person. I expected that answer. (laughs) There will be some cranky nights in your future for sure. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. What is one food that you can't live without? French fries. Ooh. Is that like your post show food? I, it's like, I try to eat French fries every day. (laughs) You try. I love that. (laughs) Sometimes I can't, sometimes they're not available to me, but I, if it's on the menu, I'm ordering it for sure. (laughs) Yeah. As our podcast is about staying balanced in all areas of your life, like how do you find balance in your own life? Well, stand-up is a really huge one for finding balance, and I've only kind of realized how much, how important it was to me not being able to do it, because it's just something that was, like, so innate, and I would do it, like, you know, six times a week, and then I went six months without doing it, so that was definitely a big one, and I think it used to be Soul Cycle. now I'm a proud Peloton convert, because um, my parents have one, and I've been staying here for a while, so <laughs> I'm trying to carve out time to do that as much as I can without becoming like obsessive about it. Cause I think that's like, it's definitely always like a fine line, but yeah, definitely. Wait, so have you been in the city during COVID or you went and left to go to your parents? I've been in and out. So my parents live in Connecticut. So it's just like a quick, you know, hour drive in and out. So I'll go spend a few nights there and then come back or, you know, whatever it is. But my parents have a pool. So in the summer it was just like, well, yeah, I'm going to be here. Yeah, Yeah. that's exactly why I came to my parents too. (laughs) Okay, so for your final question, what is one must-have quality for you and a significant other? I would say good communication because a lot of times, and I did like an advice column for paper for one of the months in quarantine, but most of the people would send in questions that could be so easily resolved or opened up if people just felt comfortable communicating with their partner. And I think if you don't feel that, you either need to do everything you can to fix it or maybe it's not a good relationship because there's just so much value in being able to talk to the person that you're spending all your time with. Yeah, I totally agree. That's my response too for that question. Like you need you need to just be able to say what you're thinking. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like it's like a matter of being, you know, the answer and like a, you're, you just don't want to hear it. I feel like I've had that mindset before in relationships. You want to be able to wave a magic wand or like speak without speaking, but truly the best way to do it is to just say what's on your mind. Yeah. I think you yeah. had another picture on your account that was something about like, you can't date this person anymore because they can't read your mind. And I feel like I'm like that, like so much. I'm <laughs> well, like, communicating is doing what I want them to do. It sometimes can be tiring and like it is a lot of effort, but if you, yeah, they, people can't read your mind, unfortunately, not yet anyway. <laughs> yeah. I've like said it on here in the past that my, I have a boyfriend now. We didn't talk about him, but I always say we have a like good communication, but more lately I'm realizing like I have good communication and I say everything that's on my mind. So we're still, I'm still working on like getting him there because he thinks I can read his mind. communication in a relationship is only as good as the worst communicator of the two yeah Yeah, wow that's so true you're doing good modeling of like okay you can be open about stuff and I think that's like really good to do even if they're not there yet yeah Yeah. I bet he thinks you guys have good communication because you communicate well yeah we're getting there it was slow steps (laughs) you're halfway there (laughs) baby steps Well, this was so fun. Thank you so much for talking with us. Can you tell everyone listening where to find you? Yeah, I'm just at Mary Beth Barone on 
Twitter and Instagram. I have a website, marybethbrown.com, where you can shop some merch or watch videos. And someday I'll perform live again. I have a feeling. Do you ever think about doing like one-on-one relationship coaching? I just don't like have any expert, like I don't have the credentials. Like I'm happy (laughs) to give advice. People will email me sometimes through my website with advice and I'll always be honest. But I think, you know, there's, there's people out there who are trained at this and probably will give you better advice than me. Yeah. I'm always here. (laughs) You should have like, um, on your website, guys can sign up for one-on-one consultations for fuckboy redemption. I wonder, I wonder how the turnout would be. (laughs) It's the awareness. Once there's awareness and willingness to change, my job is easy. You just have to let them talk. Yeah. You should have like a little quiz. That's like, am I a fuckboy? And and, like answer questions. (laughs) If you answered mostly C's, you're a fuck boy. <laughs> yes, definitely make that happen. <laughs> right. Seriously. Thank you guys again for having me. And I hope, I wish everyone listening to this podcast, I hope you all fall in love next year with great people who love you back. Thank yes. you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, you can find us on Instagram at mostly underscore balance. And if you enjoyed the episode, please don't hesitate to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. And we'll see you back next week with another great episode.